Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Um, this is a sacred moment where we can turn our attention to God and turn our attention to each other as well as a community. So I invite you to turn to your neighbor and wave, maybe give them a wave. Uh, if you're watching online, it may be a little more challenging to um, feel like you're connected to the community, but you can still do so using our YouTube chat. So you could type in the chat a greeting, like, peace be with you, um, or something like that. Um, and uh, our moderators will be there to respond to you as well. So as we enter into this um, sacred time, please join me in the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let, Let us, us be, be glad, glad this day for life, for breath, breath and, and for, for freedom, freedom to, to worship. worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We come, we come to, to bring, bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We, we sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. So we, um, please join us as we uh, join our hearts and voices together for a time of praise and worship. Um, now, for those of us here on site, I know the rules keep changing. Um, currently, we're not allowed to sing, um, but I invite you to, you know, feel free to stand, close your eyes, uh, meditate on the words, open your heart to God, to let God minister to you through the music. The splendor of the King Clothing majesty The audio of rejoice The audio of rejoice You wrap yourself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at your voice Trembles at your voice. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God.
Yo. Yeah. 
the gatherings. So here I bow to lift you high, Jesus, be glorified in all things for all my life. I am yours forever, yours. I am yours forever, yours. I am yours forever, Good morning. Thank you for joining us here today, whether you are physically here or you're joining us here online. And for whatever reason, you'll join us here to worship, here to find community, here to find God, here to find a space, a sanctuary. Welcome. And I want to invite you to bring all of that, all of your heart, all of your intentions here here and now, regardless of why you are here, you are here, and God is here to meet you. I was woken up last night at four in the morning by the thunderstorm. I don't know how many of you were woken up by it as well. It was quite a light show, and uh, I couldn't get back to sleep um, for a while. And I came across this quote from Maya Angelou. Every storm will run out of rain. I know many of you are going through difficult situations. Some wrestling with health issues. Some wrestling with relation issues. Some wrestling with financial or even looking for a job or struggling to find a job. And bring all that to the table. Let us pray. God, you are the God of the rainbow. And that rainbow is a symbol of your covenant with us, a symbol of your love, and the promise that every storm will run out of rain. We know in this difficult time of pandemic, this will end, and we will be able to meet again face to face, fellowship, gather, eat celebrate, honour, share. But this time, that looks like something in the distance. There's just storm, rain and rain and lightning and thunder that we are going through right now. And sometimes, it come, things come out and strike us like lightning. Bad news come all of a sudden and we are not prepared. And sometimes we are hurt in the process. We feel pain and we suffer. In the letter from the Methodist Church in Singapore, in response to the Methodist Church in the UK voting to approve same-sex marriage, um, it, to allow same-sex marriage in the church in the UK, LGBTQ people are again described as broken. 
Yet many of us, God, have learned as we journeyed with you that we are fearfully, wonderfully made by you, a loving God, and we are made in your image. We pray that fellow Christians will come to see that and to see that we are broken not because of how we are created. We are broken by what the church has done, by the actions of the church, even though those actions may come from good intentions. God, we ask you to heal our wounds, the pain, the hurt that has been inflicted on us by the church. And we pray that you open eyes and open minds and open hearts so they may see the hurt and the harm they have inflicted. God, some of us have health issues, some physical, some mental, some emotional. And some of us have loved ones who are going through health issues too. And some of these news might come at us out of the sudden, out of the blue. And God, help us to see, even in this storm, that the storm will run out of rain. Yet even in the storm that we are facing now, there are other places that are experiencing droughts or even heat waves. Sometimes the droughts are metaphorical ones. Sometimes they are real ones. We pray for those folks in the northern part of America who are facing record temperatures. God help us as a collective race, humanity, to see the reality of climate change and to take action. This, these are all evidence of change. And we hope that we are not too late. Some of us are experiencing droughts in metaphorical sense. Struggling to find a job, finding love, finding a partner, and perhaps even a dry season in our spiritual lives. And rain will be something that we will welcome. And God, in those parched places, crying for rain, we pray that you will shower your blessings upon these places that are dry. So God, in the storms that we face, help us catch glimpses of you, feel your abiding presence and love, that accompanies us through all these storms. In this moment, I want to invite all of you to pray quietly of the storms in your lives or in the lives of people around you or the droughts that need rain.
God, at the end of these storms, may we see the rainbow. May we see the symbol of your love and your covenant with us. God of heaven and earth, God who brought us back to life, we are yours, forever yours. Amen.
Good morning, and thank you for joining us in this time of worship together. And I hope that even if you were not able to sing, for those of you who are on site, that God's Spirit was moving amongst us. And wherever you are, even if you're joining us online, at any point of the week or even today, I pray that that's what God's Spirit is moving within us, that spirit of worship, that spirit of trusting God together. So today we are going to our sermon um, portion, and you know for many of you who come regularly, we um, use menti.com as a way for us to interact and to input into the sermon, so you don't just hear from me, you hear from one another, whether you are on site online, um, we want to hear your responses, your voices, your insights. So help me build this sermon. Uh, if you go into any browser, you can go into menti.com, uh, you use the code 1869. 2422, okay? 1869-2422, right? And so I look forward to hearing your responses, okay? And so today, we continue on series on Ecclesia, what it means to be the church. And we're going to talk about conflict. So why talk about the church and conflict? Well, because conflict is something we all deal with in our lives, and we see conflict happening within the church too, both within our own church community as well as in the bigger church community. And we are all not very good at handling and dealing with conflict in a healthy way. Or perhaps I should just speak for myself first, right? I am not very good at dealing with conflict. So working on this sermon was as much for me as it is for you. Conflict is not new. It has existed since the beginning of time, as you see in the Bible. In the beginning chapters of Genesis, we read about how Cain was so angry with his brother Abel, and ultimately the conflict turned into an attack, and Cain ended up killing his own brother. And there are many other examples of conflict throughout the Bible, and, well, some are not so violent. But suffice to say, conflict between human beings is not a new thing. Conflict has existed throughout history, especially within the church. In fact, historically, the church has had a terrible record where it came to dealing with conflicts over doctrines and beliefs. Depending on who was in power at that time, people who dared to disagree with the religious leadership were sometimes put to death. So I just wanted to ask you, what examples of conflict can you think of in the Bible, and also in the Christian world, even today, 
whether it's in history or even in today's context, what examples of conflict come to mind for you? There are many, right? May, many types of conflicts have happened um, between siblings, between rivals uh, in the Bible, uh, in history. Uh, there have been terrible conflicts that have resulted in war, as some of you have said, absolutely. The Crusades, I mean, that was quite horrific, right? What happened in the Crusades? Disagreeing and conflicts about slavery, genocide, divorce and remarriage. Yes, that was definitely a conflict that the church took perhaps in the 1960s and 70s, and even today for some churches, there's still uh, disagreements and um, conflicts about that. Conflicts about LGBTQ, what's happening and has happened for a long time in Northern Ireland, theology, yes. Catholics versus Protestants, <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm just glad to say that here, uh, we have a lot of our members and our friends who are both Catholics and Protestants in background, and, and we are so thankful for that because we have so much to teach one another, so much to learn from one another. And so I, for me, this is one of those spaces that I am so thankful for. Um, disagreements, conflicts about practices, East-West schisms, denominational difference, so many, right? Rituals, wow. Calvinism versus Arminism, yes. I don't know if some of you are familiar with that. I was attending, um, when I was in the university, I had people come to me, you know, and say, are you an Arminist or a Calvinist? And I'm like, oh, uh, um, what's that? <laughs> you know, and then that's the, my, my first introduction to that. Uh, but, you know, there's huge debates, right? And sometimes these debates lead into huge conflicts, right? And, um, and even more. Yeah, <laughs> conflicts about the choice of music. Yes, do you know, like in churches, right, historically, uh, just what kind of music, the hymns that some churches sing today were considered bar tunes at that time uh, in history. And so there was lots of fights about that as well. See, Joseph and his brothers, yes, that's a biblical example, uh, terrible, that conflict. They actually wanted uh, him dead at first and sold him off to slavery. Um, the Reformation, yes, it definitely resulted from a conflict. Um, sainthood, yes. Many, many things, right? Isaac and Ishmael, yes, right? A, a sibling kind of conflict. Jacob and Esau, slander, racism, being fundamentalist. Yes, many, many. So please continue inputting, right? Your different examples of conflict that you can think of, especially in the Christian world, even today. You know, in our modern times, we are thankfully less violent. Uh, than Cain and Abel. Well, that's in general because, you know, there are also violent examples of uh, when people have conflict. But when dealing with conflict situations, I think human beings and the way we manage conflict have evolved. And whether it's conflict within our own church community or conflict with those outside our church community, I think in general we are better at listening, engaging and communicating with those we disagree and experience conflict with. But I would say that conflict remains something many of us find challenging to navigate well. Let me ask you, how do you usually deal with conflict? And this is your own honest observation and reflection of yourself, okay? And don't worry, you know, this is absolutely anonymous. Nobody knows who is actually choosing this, okay? But this is more for us to be, be reflective on ourselves for this moment, right? 
How do you usually deal with conflict in your life? Right? When it comes to conflict, I tend to A, avoid conflict situations as far as possible. B, confront it head on, often in a defensive way. C, respond calmly and proactively listen to the other person's point of view. And D, I don't know. So I see that we have quite equal numbers, okay, for kind of those who avoid conflicts as far as possible, right? Um, we have a lot more who actually confront it head on, often in a defensive way. And we also have many who actually respond calmly and proactively listen to the other person's point of view. Wow, that's impressive. And it's okay to not know because and I put that as an option there because sometimes we, it takes time for us to actually look into ourselves and observe actually how do we actually honestly handle conflict? How do we actually react when it comes to conflict situations? Okay. So yes, I see, yes, now kind of almost equal with those who are conflict avoidant and those who confront it head on, often in a defensive way. Okay. Now for me, well, the board and the leaders, and many of you know this, but I have a tendency to be conflict avoidant. But this is an area that I am and have been challenging myself to grow in. You know, one thing that Brene Brown um, said in her book, Dare to Lead, is to be clear is kind, and to be unclear is unkind. And that's something I'm striving to be better at. To be clear in the way I express my needs and opinions, to be clear in communicating my disagreements and my expectations, to be clear in conflict situations, whether as a direct participant or as a mediator. As you know, pastors often get to be involved in mediation, right? And I still have a long way to go, but I'm thankful I get to work at this together with you in this church. We all know and have experienced how destructive conflict can be. If I were to interview all of you, I think many would probably say conflict is stressful or it tends to end up hurting everyone involved. So it's understandable why many of us try to avoid or control it as best as we can. And we see this happening in the early church too. A quick glance through Paul's letters in the New Testament all his letters, right, to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Galatians, Romans, you saw that conflicts and disagreements were part of congregational life then. But Paul's primary designation for followers of Jesus is brothers and sisters. This is a term that he used about 271 times in the New Testament. Scott McKnight notes that the idea of siblingship is the dominant self-understanding and self-designation of the church. We are siblings, family, not business associates, not neighbours, not even merely friends and acquaintances. We are family. So we bring the best and also the most challenging aspects of family into our life together as a community. For better or for worse, we are wonderfully stuck with each other. And we have a bond that is actually bigger than ourselves. 
because this connection finds its grounding in Christ, which means that Christ is at the centre of our family life. Last week in my sermon on Ecclesia and Jesus, I ended with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And I ended with this quote because I wanted to connect it to today's sermon as well. And he said, Christian community means... Christian community means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. There is no Christian community that is more than this and none that is less than this, whether it be a brief, single encounter or the daily community of many years, Christian community is solely this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. We belong to one another through and in Jesus Christ. You know, in a church, we will have differences of opinions, disagreements, and even conflicts. Siblings do, and that is okay. But Christ is present in our midst, and the love of Christ holds us together. And so we commit to remain connected to each other, open-minded, humble, courageous, and willing to learn. You know, the Philippine church at that time was experiencing dissension, a rift, a break in fellowship. And Paul calls that congregation to unity in Christ, by pointing to the humbling stance of Jesus. And he tells them, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish, he says. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. You see, Paul here was reminding us that the Philippians, that they were not alone when experiencing conflict in church. And this is true for us too. If we have experienced any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, then we have what it takes to love each other through the challenges of any conflict. And not only that, We have Christ as our model as we check our own attitudes during conflict situations. Do we have the same attitude as Christ when tensions are high and disappointment and anger are the dominant emotions? As followers of Jesus, we are continually in the process of being formed into the image of Christ. We are called to become like Christ in every aspect of our lives including how we live our lives together in our community. You know, at FCC, we have experienced many moments of conflicts between pastors and leaders, leader and leader, member and member, and every other combination in between. And some conflicts sadly led to people leaving 
while some conflicts led to a deeper understanding between the people involved and growth in our relationships. So it's clear that conflict can be both constructive and destructive. And as a church, we can do better. The difference between constructive and destructive conflict is mainly in the outcome. So what do you think? Right, a constructive conflict often would go to strengthen the relationship of those involved. You see, in a destructive conflict, the disagreement leads to people not feeling heard, creating feelings of frustration, antagonism. While in a constructive conflict, the disagreement leads to deeper listening and a mutual commitment to create solutions together. So the difference is the outcome. Does it strengthen the relationship or does it harm the relationship of the people involved? So let me ask you, and maybe we can brainstorm this together, in what ways can conflict be constructive? In your experience, in what ways can conflict be constructive? That it can be helpful to a relationship, that it can be helpful to us, even understanding about ourselves, our own blind spots. How? How can conflict be constructive for us? Yes, when we speak with love, absolutely, right? Um, how many of you, when you are actually in a moment of conflict, you are able to go to the other person and speak with love? It's quite challenging, right? But it takes great intention to do that. Uh, to stay objective, to focus on problem resolution, to agree to disagree, okay? to realize that, okay, we're going to have people who will disagree with us and that's okay. How do we resolve this together? Finding a third way, yes. And so that's creative, right? You think that there's option A, option B, but actually maybe there's option C, D, and E, all right? And so con conflict can be constructive in helping us be creative in creating new solutions. Sparking self-reflection, right? Very often when people have come to me and told me certain things, it's helped me to be reflective about my own blind spots, things that I could do better in. You can reach a deeper understanding, yes? Because it's only when somebody voices out and tells you, actually, you know what? I disagree, and this is why. And you go like, oh, I never thought of that before. And that helps. And you see the other person in a deeper way. It fosters understanding, when we listen to understand, yes, honesty, listen, to clarify issues, right? Very often we think that we know what the other person is thinking, you know, but actually that's not exactly what they're thinking and saying, right? Until they tell you, you know what, I don't think you get me, you know, actually you're misunderstanding what I'm trying to tell you, right? And then we clarify, we understand, we be clear, right? We talk to each other, not over each other, yes. You drive innovation, yes. Creativity, right? Innovate. Innovate together. Help parties involved to reach a deeper understanding of each other and ourselves, yes? It brings to the surface deep, unspoken feelings and needs. Yes. I don't know how many of you actually are only in moments of conflict when your kind of push comes to shove, then some of the needs and the feelings and maybe some of the resentment comes up, right? And, and sometimes, well, perhaps that's not the most healthy way for it to come up, but maybe that's the only way we know at this point until we get better at it, all right? 
um, recognize common points. Yes, we are able to find common points with each other, to listen respectfully, and dialogue is equals with trust. Bring to light new perspective, yes, and ideas to approach issues. When we do not let the amygdala hijack us. Okay, you know what the amygdala is? The amygdala is this part of your brain, right? That basically alerts us to threats. Right? So it's very helpful for us, you know, when we're trying to run away from a lion or a murderer or someone, you know. But our amygdala is very interesting because uh, it looks at threats in many different ways. Lah. And so sometimes our amygdala can be quite active, overly active, and we're oh, is that person, you know, going to hurt me by what they say? And so it can go into overdrive. So we need to understand how that affects us too. All right. Parties involved can learn what went wrong and what can be done moving forward. Yes. Aim to contribute to growth of each other. Yes. We are siblings, right? Family. And we can aim to contribute to each other's growth. Right? To be authentic as well as to be honest and kind. To be honest and kind. See what really matters and what doesn't matter. Yes. Right? Sometimes we realize that hey, actually that's not really that important, right? Clearer priorities, yep. Learning from conflict and conflict management, growing from that, right? So we don't need to be afraid. Conflict is an opportunity to identify the forces within us that make unity so difficult. Yes, right? We always talk about unity, right, as a church, but that's not easy. Right? It's only when we start to kind of grind and, and, and start to kind of have conflict with each other, then we realize that, okay, there's some things that we need to do differently. Do not take things personally, to be open-minded and focus on the matter rather than the emotions. Aim to expand understanding of needs and interests and find ways to meet the wider scope. That's interesting. To constantly remind us, ourselves that if the other didn't care, he or she wouldn't even be bothered to voice out their point of view. Yes, right? If somebody didn't care, they would just turn around and walk away. But it's only because people care so much to care about you and sometimes in the case of church, to care so much about church that they want to stay and they want to voice their point of view and say, you know what, this is what I think and feel, right? And, and that's because people care. Right? To remain in conversation and not walk away from disagreement, to become aware and letting go of our own judgment and expectations, yes. To try to understand, not trying to win. Mm -hmm. Zero expectations on others. Mm -hmm. Be open-minded. Compromise could be reached. Mm -hmm. Respond instead of react, and that's really good, right? There is a difference, right? Responding, reacting. Avoid being solely driven by emotions. Self-clarity, yes. Since humans and our ability to comprehend the world and others are relational, therefore we need to be able to ping off each other in order to ascertain our motivations and fears. That's really good, right? It's a really, and it's really important, right? Because it's only when we're able to ping off each other, even in times when we disagree and when there's conflict, that we start to become aware of our own motivations and our own fears. When people don't take it personally, self-interest and debate, they come to an understanding and there's a de decision for the greater good. We should try to understand and make things happen. Those who do not have full information should, go around, should not go around slandering their fellow churchmates and worsening situations, yes. Right. So there's a lot of wisdom there. Right, I hope that you see some of that from the perspectives, from your experiences and your insights. Right. So, recently, I read a book called Conflict Without Casualties, a field guide for leading with compassionate, 
accountability. And this is by Nate Regia. And I found it very helpful in changing my own perspective and mindset regarding conflict and gave me ideas about how we can respond to conflict more effectively. Regia said that when it comes to conflict, we often think of conflict reduction, conflict management, resolution, mediation. And all of these concepts often imply that conflict is something that has to be lessened or eradicated if possible, as if it's fundamentally a bad thing. And it's not surprising that many people view conflict this way. The casualties of conflict are everywhere. You look, many of us have been hurt in times of conflict. And naturally, people want to avoid or to control it in some way. But there can be a better way, and he calls it compassionate accountability. You see, at the most basic level, conflict is actually a gap between what we want and what we are experiencing at any given time. And conflict is everywhere. So before we even evaluate whether conflict is good or bad, how we should respond to it, it's important to recognize that conflict generates energy. You know, when somebody approaches you, right, and they're like, upset, right? Can you observe the kind of energy that comes up for you? You know, you can show up in kind of like racing thoughts. Oh no, what, what is she going to come over and talk to me about? What is he going to like? Why, why is he so angry? You know, there's increased heartbeat. We're thinking about what to do next, what to say, how to be defensive, right? Our cortisol levels might be rising. It could show up as an overwhelming desire for us to run away or to fight back. Right? Conflict generates that kind of energy. And conflict is unavoidable. In fact, Regia says that conflict is part of the grand design of the universe. It is a necessary part of our human experience. Humans are created to be different from each other. All of us, each of us, diverse. Made in the image of God, yes, but so unique and so diverse. And because of this, we will inevitably have different needs, wants, and pursuits. And when these come into contact with each other, and in a community like this, you know, these would come into contact with each other quite often, conflict occurs. And so conflict is energy, and conflict is unavoidable. So the only real question is, what will we do with this energy created by conflict? How will we use it? How will we spend it? And he said we have two choices. We can either choose to struggle against it, or we can struggle with. You see, struggling with is a process of mutuality and creation. It's about seeing the solution as a two-way street, viewing the struggle as an opportunity for a win-win outcome, and adopting an attitude of shared responsibility, both you and me, right, for resolving the discrepancy between what we want and what we are experiencing. So recently, I was talking with our board members, and we identified some areas where there was a discrepancy between what we want and what we are experiencing. And we saw the solution as a two-way street, where we had a shared responsibility to create something that resolves this gap. I think, and I think that's a great example of struggling with. You know, the board members didn't say, ah, oh, Pauline, that's your problem, huh? you go solve it. There's this huge gap, you go solve it. Right? But instead they said, you know what, we have a shared responsibility 
to close its gap, but we need to figure this out together. And that's struggling with. And often when there is a conflict, our tendency is that we struggle against ourselves or each other instead of struggling with. And you know the word compassion originates from the Latin root word meaning co-suffering. Did you know that? Co-suffering. So when I say I have compassion on you, I mean I actually co-suffer with you. Right? Co means with, you know, or together, or alongside. And passion means suffering or struggling. And together, compassion means a process of struggling with others. So it said the key to productive conflict is compassion, the act of struggling with people instead of against them. How often in our conflicts have we struggled against each other, right? That team versus this team, that thinking versus this thinking, often it's a lot harder to think about it as struggling together with, right? And I want to say that compassion is not about being nice. It's not about repressing the conflict or our own emotions. Compassion is the result of people taking ownership of their feelings, their thoughts, their behaviours, and choosing to spend the energy of conflict pursuing effective solutions that preserve the dignity of all involved. In conflict situations, have you ever gone to another person and all another person has come to you and has kind of put you down, you know, because of what they said, because they were so angry at that moment or so upset, so disappointed? I think the key word there is preserving the dignity of all involved. That's what we are trying to do. Compassion is more than care and concern for others. It's about the willingness to get in the trenches and struggle together as an equal with others. To see the other person as an equal. You know the greatest change agents in history, those who have made the biggest positive difference, have practiced this kind of compassion. We think about people like Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, they had a lot of conflicts to come against, right? But each has struggled with instead of against the other. See, compassionate accountability can be helpful to us within our church community, I think. And also when there are conflicts with people outside our community, especially over issues that we deeply disagree on. I'm not sure if you saw this news, but a few days ago, news broke that the Methodist Church in the UK has voted to allow same-sex marriage in a momentous vote. There's a very historical vote and there was a huge majority who voted yes. And this vote to change the definition of marriage at the Methodist Conference was overwhelmingly passed. And with that, the Methodist Church became the largest religious denomination in Britain to permit same-sex marriages. So when I first read about it, I was delighted at the news. But there were many Christians in Singapore who were not as thrilled to put it mildly. The Methodist, I'm not sure if some of you have received messages, uh, uh, group, group uh, chats. Uh. The Methodist Church in Singapore issued a statement to clarify that their position is not the same as the church in UK. And they stated the points where they disagreed. To be honest, I was disappointed at the language used. And what concerns me is the harm 
the potential harm this language use has on those who are LGBTQ and their families. I think about my own family, who is still in the Methodist church, and my sister who works in the church, and how they feel about all this as well. For someone like me who grew up in the Methodist church, I am sad and disappointed, and I want to state that I disagree, though I understand the pressure to toe the line. You see, in the UK, a former vice president of the Methodist Conference warned that there was a significant minority of Methodists who were planning on leaving or resigning their, their membership as a result of the vote. She said, today is a line in the sand for many people and seen as a significant departure from our doctrine, right? conflict of doctrine. Right? And I was heartened to read about Reverend Sonia Hicks, who is the current president of the Methodist Conference in the UK. And she said, the debate today in our wider conversation has been conducted with grace and mutual respect as we move forward together after this historic day for our church we must remember to continue to hold each other in prayer and to support each other respecting our differences. I'm not sure what the conclusion will be and if a significant minority of Methodists in the UK will eventually leave the church. But I see how Reverend Sonia Hicks is striving to practice mutual respect and support in the midst of a conflict of doctrine and beliefs. And I hope that we will be able to do so too. Michael Mead said, the purpose of conflict is to create. Wow. This is such a powerful and profound statement, right? Have you ever thought of conflict to have that purpose? To create? It made me pause and think about the possibilities if we can just shift our mindsets a little and think of conflict as a creative force. We will be less afraid less avoidant, and less defensive. In this sermon, I'm just scraping up some of the surface of what the book covers. And I actually really like that Regia gives concrete examples, practical exercises to help us learn how to practice compassionate accountability in our lives. And perhaps, you know, at some point of time, we can organize a workshop on this topic in the future. But for now, I just want us to know that there can be a better way to engage in conflict. And I say this because in order for us to engage in conflict differently, our whole church culture needs to change. Our whole church culture needs to change. For example, when someone hurts you, ideally I want you to be able to go to that person ASAP and have a hard conversation, right? But this can only happen if we build up a church culture where everyone agrees and knows how to conduct and receive such conversations. A lot of times, people won't go directly to the person who hurt them because they're afraid that that person will flare up and hurt them even more. And that fear is valid. So we can choose to engage in conflict in a new way. But we need to learn to do this as a community. And so this brings me back to what Paul was talking about in Philippians. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? As a community belonging to Christ, 
we need to come together and allow our mindsets to be challenged and changed so that we can love each other better. One practical way of doing so is to be more thoughtful and reflective about our meeting together at the Lord's table for Holy Communion. You see, meeting at the Lord's table is not just a ritual that we perform. It reminds us that our congregation is made up of siblings in Christ. And by the Spirit, we live into this reality that we are family. Bonhoeffer writes that the scriptures speak of three kinds of community at the table that Jesus keeps with his own. The daily breaking of bread together at meals, the breaking of bread together at the Lord's Supper, and the final breaking of bread together in the reign of God. But in all three, the one thing that counts is that their eyes will open and they recognize him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. Do our eyes recognize Jesus every time we come to this sacred meal? Through this meal, we affirm the presence of the crucified and risen Christ in our midst and our commitment to live as siblings in our lives together. As we share in the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of the Last Supper where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And Jesus is our model in this humbling act. And you know what he said to his disciples after he washed their feet? He said, do you understand what I was doing? He asked them, do you understand? I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You see, at the table, we seek reconciliation with each other, forgiveness, restoration, where there have been misunderstandings, hurt and harm, we try our best to make it right. I'm not saying that this will be easy, but gathering together at the Lord's table holds the promise of fostering a new culture. Over time, in a community where we see each other as siblings in Christ, the Lord's table shapes how we live our lives with each other in worship, in witness, and as a community. It transforms every aspect of our congregational life. Well, it should. And these aspects include the board, the council, the ministry, the cell groups, the fellowship table. In remembering the Lord's table, the table where we gather for meetings, for planning, deliberation, and the sharing of our lives, is transformed. The Lord's table reminds us how we are to act at the boardroom table, at council meetings, at board and council meetings, as well as ministry, cell group and fellowship meetings. You see, board and council meetings can sometimes feel a bit like business meetings, where difficult decisions have to be made. And there will sometimes be disagreements, disappointments and mismatching of expectations. And that is okay. Sometimes at the ministry, cell group, or fellowship table, hurtful comments are made and people get hurt. And approaching all these matters in the spirit of the table, where we are reminded that we are connected to Christ and to each other as siblings, it changes the way we do our work and relate to one another. At least I hope it does. 
In Christ, we can learn to align our hearts and minds with compassionate accountability, to struggle with each other instead of against as we strive out to live out God's call to us. In the midst of our differences, even through our differences, we can create, innovate, and remember that we are one in Christ, experiencing the peace of Christ as we demonstrate the love of Christ. The Lord's table is the practice of the church that reminds us of the way of Jesus, the way of emptying and humility, that we are in the process of being made in the likeness of Christ. So as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, what is one thing you want to do differently regarding conflict situations after all that you heard today? Was there any one thing that kind of stood out for you that made you decide, yeah, I want to do that differently? And this is a reflection question. All right, so take your time and share your reflections. And I want to put it together up there so that everyone else can um, learn from it as well. What is one thing you want to do differently regarding conflict situations? So as you think about it, there were many things that I was reflecting on even as I think about conflict. You know, I, I shared with you earlier, you know, that I, am, I have a tendency to be conflict avoidant, but it's something that I'm trying to grow to be better at, to learn how to approach conflict with less fear, less avoidance, and to realize that conflict can be a creative process for me to learn more, not just about myself, but the other person as well. So thank you for sharing. To listen more, to listen more, react less, yes. That's a good combination, right? Uh, to listen with love, yes. Forgiveness, to not walk away, to face what I fear, mm -hmm. to create, yes. The possibility to create, right? Compassion, yes. To let go of the ego, mm -hmm. definitely. Um, each other, right? Lean into the discomfort, yes. And that takes a lot, right? Because sometimes it's easier just walking away. And sometimes it's even just easier just kind of like being defensive and fighting back. But leaning into the discomfort, is what takes courage. Um, to acknowledge love within, mm -hmm. to struggle. Sorry, it keeps changing, right? So I'm trying to, like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And then I have to move my, my head. <laughs> to be more loving, to think before you speak, true compassion, to harness good energy. That's wonderful, right? There's energy, harness it. Harness it for good, right? To find the reasons behind, yes. Right? Behind the emotions, behind the flare-up, what are the reasons behind that? Right? Don't avoid. Yes. Humility that I can be wrong. Mm -hmm. You think that's important? Right? Because we're not always right. Patience, open-minded, more compassion, to learn, right? to struggle with approach. Yes. Struggle with, not struggle against. To be thankful. Right, to create, yes. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to move too much, actually. Okay, so, um, no, I think this is lovely. You know, please continue sharing. You know, and people, I'm going to leave it up there for a while, and people are going to have some time to read through it. Because I think this is our collective learning. Right? It's not just my learning, but what I really desire is to, to learn from you and to see what your learning has been. 
Will you decide to stay, to listen, to embrace each other as siblings in Christ, even when it's hard? Will you stay open in conflict situations and choose to struggle with each other as we work together towards creative solutions? Compassionate accountability and the Lord's table are practices that can change our hearts and the way we live out what it means to love one another. Amen. Let us prepare for a time of Holy Communion. Let us prepare for a time of Holy Communion. We gather each Sunday at this table, even though at this time we are not all physically together. The table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. We thank you, good and gracious God, for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other, and we have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember how Jesus came to us, becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone, a fully human person, like us in all things but sin. 
Remember how, on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Sisters and brothers, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die ever. This is my body broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, the harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. Will the stewards come forward to distribute the elements? Please hold on to the elements. We will all partake together. You may now consume the elements.
altogether. Jesus, you are always present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and in the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine. Yeah, okay, next slide. Please stand and join me in the prayer of communion. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank you for feeding our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving Spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you are welcome here regardless of your theological background, your gender identity, your um, sexual orientation, your economic status, or any other labels the world puts on you. To those of you who worship with us regularly, or for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome home. Um, now, if you're watching online, uh, we do, and if the video has at all moved you or touched you, please do give us a like, uh, subscribe. This actually helps YouTube recommend the video to more people so we can extend our outreach. So um, please, everybody, give us a like. Thank you. Um, to, uh, my name is David. I'm the service leader for today. Um, and we'll now, um, yeah, next slide, please. So for those of you who are new to us, uh, maybe you're watching online for the first time, you could leave your details at fcc.la slash fccwelcome. Um, our pastors will reach out to you, find out um, how we can better serve you. So we really would like to um, know if, you've, if you're new. Um, we also have a newcomers meeting on the last Sunday of every month. So if you'd like to join this, uh, you can email info at freecomchurch.org. It will be conducted both online and in person. So now we'll worship God with our giving. Uh, it's the um, time for the monthly update once again. So good news is our general fund is almost perfectly on target. Um, we were actually a little bit in surplus last month, so we've now fallen back to um, just nicely on target. So I guess that's um, a little bit worrying, but not to be too concerned. And our building fund is in surplus, so that's great. And we really thank you for your generosity for supporting our church and our mission. So there's um, a few ways you can give. Um, there is um, the QR codes here. So you can give by pay now to our general fund, which goes towards our, um, mainly our, past our salaries and our um, utilities and so on. And then there's the building fund, which goes to paying the mortgage on this property. So you can give by scanning those QR codes, or you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. However, for the credit card option, the credit card platform does take a small fee of 1.5%. So we don't get as much if you do it that way, but you're still welcome to use that platform. And in fact, I've seen that those of you who are giving by that platform, there's a little box where you can enter why I give. 
And some of the things people have typed in there are just really beautiful, uh, very encouraging to see. Like people have said, or oh, they've been just really grateful for the ministry of the church, or they believe in FCC's mission, how we, um, you know, are inclusive, stand up for inclusivity and diversity and so forth. So those things are, I guess, they really do encourage us when you tell us why you're supporting us. Um, so now I'll uh, let's pray for the offering. Dear God. Thank you for each person, each life, who has been blessed by the ministry of FCC. Thank you for each one who has found a safe space to worship here with us. God, please bless this offering and help us to use it to continue to be your voice of love and grace extended to all and advocating for greater justice and equality in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. So I now invite the ushers to come forward to take up the offering. If you're here on site and you would like to give by cash, please raise your hand and the ushers will come to you. So while the ushers are going around, we have a few announcements to make. Um, the first is, well, okay, for the last year, more than a year, we've been bringing you the service both on site and online, and it is quite a lot of work. Um, so we still are looking for more volunteers some of our folks have been working tirelessly week after week and they probably could use a break. So you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't have experience with AV or so on. That's actually quite okay. Uh, we're just looking for people who have willing hearts and all the training will be provided. So if you're interested, uh, you can drop an email to info at Freecom Church. You'll be invited to have a behind the scenes tour, no commitment, just see what goes on and then see if it's a good fit for how you would like to serve. Um, FCC is also holding uh, the Living Water 2021 series for uh, reconciling faith and sexuality for men. So this is where they'll look into the Bible, into the passages that deal with LGBTQ issues. Uh, it starts on the 15th of July. It's every Thursday evening and there'll be eight sessions. So you can sign up at fcc.la slash livingwater2021. Uh, FCC also has a youth group. So if you're a youth, maybe you're age 30 and below, uh, and you're looking for community, uh, they're a really interesting group. There's lively discussions online um, about all sorts of stuff that I don't personally understand. But if you're a youth, maybe it resonates with you. So you can join them for meetings twice a month uh, by emailing alvin at fccyouthleader at googlegroups.com. And now I invite Pastor Miak to give us the benediction. May I invite you to stand and you're willing and able to receive the benediction. So fellow siblings, may you learn to struggle. Struggle with one another. Struggle with God. Just as Jacob struggled with God and said, I will not let go unless you bless me. And so may you also be like the Syrophoenician woman, though called a dog, refused to let go, refused to go away until she found healing for her daughter from Jesus. So may we learn from these two people to hold on even when it's difficult and hold on knowing we are beloved. Hold on until we are blessed. Hold on to one another always and go in peace, go in love, go proclaim 
God's love for all. Amen.